Couple of Mets episode nine. Holy shit, how'd we get here? Ian Bosniak joined alongside Rob Venegas as always. Rob, how we doing? Fall, it seems like is in the air. We got some crisp weather going on. Um, all signs point to October. How we doing, brother? Um, we're doing great, Ian. I mean, you know, <clears throat> the Mets uh they got it, they got it done in Milwaukee. They uh went on the likes of like a six-game winning streak. And, uh, you know, we're almost done with the regular season. It's been a, it's been a hell of a ride. That it, that it really has. And, and before we dive in, uh, just a friendly reminder, I uh, didn't do it until the last uh, about two minutes of our last episode here because um, it was a much more uh, negative uh, episode last time coming <laughs> off a, a brutal series against the Cubs. But uh, give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter. That's at Cup of Mets. Again, that's at Cup of Mets on Instagram and Twitter. But, uh, you know, Rob brought it up. This is the first episode that we are recording that we can officially say the New York Mets will be playing October baseball. They wrapped up, uh, you know, their playoff berth on uh, Monday night in Milwaukee uh, after a four-game sweep of the Pirates. Uh, first and foremost, before we get into, you know, what actually went on in the games, what were your emotions? We were on FaceTime. Uh, we saw it. <laughs> I was obviously. at the bar. He was at the bar. I was chilling on the couch, uh, drinking a Tapo Chico, right? But um, what? How do you feel? Obviously, it's not a division quite yet. We still gotta, still gotta take that one, uh, you know, over the coming week, the, the last several games. But uh, how how are you feeling going into the next couple of games against Oakland? Uh, especially knowing that you know that our playoff seating is at least uh, not the seating, but our playoff stance is secured. Oh, you know, you're feeling good. Um... Again, we have uh, high aspirations this year um, as an organization, as a team from top to bottom. Um, it feels great uh, on a personal note because, you know, we haven't had that feeling of October baseball for six years now, six mm -hmm. seasons uh, since 2016. And uh, hopefully uh, 2022 brings a lot of uh, tears of joy, as Gary said in 2015. So yeah. I'm very happy for the guys. <clears throat> it's, it's honestly, you know, like 06, 15, they had a, a great group of players, but I just feel like this ball club here in 2022, not only are they great ball players, but uh, they're just great individuals in general. So I'm happy for them and uh, congrats. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it, it really was very fitting, you know, that they were able to uh, clinch their clinch their spot this early on. Um, you know, it, it really is a true testament to how they've been playing all year. And it also just shows how important that quick start was uh, to the season. I mean, uh, considering how the Braves have been playing, uh, you know, the beginning of our season definitely has helped us uh, get to where we are right now. Um, yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. There's definitely a different vibe with this team. Um, and yeah, it's definitely one of those things where you kind of look at it, especially you and I, right? You're 26, I'm 27. Uh, 2016, that was a one, one and done, right? We lost, uh, yeah. Syndergaard pitched a hell of a game, but we lost on the likes of, uh, Connor Gillespie who can, who can uh, suck it. But, um, but, uh, you know, 2015 was a magical run, but that was really just the second half, you know, 2006, I think was the only year, uh, that you and I have really been, you know, around that the Mets have completely run, run ship from start to finish. And I think that that not only the division, but you know, major league baseball. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it hasn't just been the division. They've taken care of 
teams that are way over 500. They've taken care of the bottom dwellers. They, they've really, they've really done a really, really nice job. And uh, I, I thought it was really fitting that, you know, Pete Alonso came up with a big hit there uh, in Milwaukee on the clinch night with that massive three run home run. Um, he just looks tremendous. I'm so happy for him. I mean, I'm, I'm happy for so many of the guys that they get to see postseason baseball, but I'm stoked to see Pete Alonso in the playoffs. I think you mentioned last episode, actually, that you think that he's going to really uh, tear shit up in the, in the postseason. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, he, he seems built for it. So I'm excited for him. I'm excited for Jeff guys like Jeff McNeil, Brandon Nimmo, and, and, you know, even Jacob deGrom, he's back. So, um, yep. you know, let's dive into the episode. Ian. <laughs> absolutely. absolutely. Die, baby. Absolutely, brother. Absolutely. And, and that, that night, it wasn't just a clincher, man. It wasn't just a clincher. Everybody was uh, pretty focused on the fact that a Max Scherzer made his return to the rotation much needed. Yes, and on top of it, the guy went out and threw six perfect innings. 18 uh, up, 18 down, kid. 18 up, 18 down, nine strikeouts on only 68 pitches. Um, he was unworldly. Um, it just really makes you say to yourself, holy shit in the playoffs, Scherzer and DeGrom back to back. It's really going to be something special. Um, and he was just absolutely phenomenal throughout his entire start. Um, unfortunately had about a 70 to 75 pitch, um, pitch limit there. But Not only was Scherzer just absolutely phenomenal in his return uh, after missing X amount of starts, and not only was he perfect, but the guy just was painting the corners. He was throwing all of his pitches for strikes, locating phenomenally. What did you see from Max that gets you so stoked for uh, him returning to the October baseball? I mean, you know, once once he made his decision to sign with the net, the Mets, uh, that was kind of like the the focus point, like if, if the Mets make a run, if the Mets make the playoffs, you know, you got to face the ground and Scherzer. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, if he wasn't coming off an IL stint, his second one of the season, he probably would have threw a perfect game. I'm not going to lie to you. And, you know, I was at the bar screaming that, you know, wanting him to stay in the game. But at the end of the day, uh, the world series, getting to the world series and getting them healthy into the playoffs is the main priority. So I wasn't mad at, obviously wasn't mad at the move, but you know, I think he's ready. I think he's locked in. I think he's glad to be back on the team, glad to be healthy. And, and, you know, um, I can't wait, honestly. I, I really can't. <laughs> no, no, same here. Same here, especially with the weather getting colder, as I mentioned before. It, it It's starting to feel like, at least for me, it's starting to feel like 2015. I'm like, I'm yeah. like, oh, shit, I'm ready to go. Here we go. Um, but, yeah, no, Matt, Max looks dialed in. His fastball just had so much giddy up on it. And, obviously, he, yeah, he throws his, a little bit of life, right? It, it really did have life. And he's been tremendous all year long, even though he's only made 21 starts. We're going to see some Cy Young votes for him come in um, just based off of how dominant he's been. I, I think that he's in the top uh, 10 uh, in the majors in terms of pitchers uh, war, um, even in his only 21 starts. But yeah, his fastball just had a ton of life. His slider looked great. His changeup was phenomenal. He was getting everybody, you know, swinging and missing and uh, really, really great sign to see him uh, come back. Uh it also wasn't just his return. He did pick up uh, victory number 200 on his career. So congratulations to the future uh, Hall of Famer. Hopefully we can win three straight titles and he can go in with a Mets cap. That'll be nice. Um, but uh, yes, sir. But yeah, you know, and, and Scherzer wasn't the only return. And, and I guess we'll touch upon this as well while, while we're still on this game. Uh, Tyler McGill made his return 
um, to the uh, to the club coming in in relief for Scherzer and promptly gave up a two run bomb to uh, Rowdy Telez. Um, what are you looking for from McGill down these, you know, uh, down the stretch here, last couple games, he's obviously not going to start at all. He's going to all come out of the bullpen, but uh, what did you see from McGill? What are you looking for going forward? If he's going to actually, you know, uh, remain on the club and may- potentially make the playoff roster. I mean, yeah, you know, like you said, uh, he's trying to make the playoff roster. So, again, I, I see this as like a little bit of a tryout. Obviously, you know, the Mets love McGill and they're giving him a chance. And, and you know, I think I think he's his arm would really value coming out of the bullpen during the postseason, especially with the mix of pitches he has, like his changeup, slider, fastball, run up to 98, 99. I mean, dude, we just need him to give, not walk people. If you, you're 0-2, you know, waste the pitch if you have to. Just follow the game plan. Trust your catchers because I hate – especially with McGill. I hate when he goes one, two, Oh, two, he's, he's ahead. He's look, he looks good his first three pitches. And then he tries to get a little too fancy and then runs into like a full count, you know, keep that pitch count down. You're only pitching an inning, maybe two. And, uh, you know, just keep the ball in the ballpark. Yeah. And, and with that being said, listen, he had a tremendous start. We all know that, um, big drip, crazy start. Uh, we all know that he has, we all know that he has crazy stuff. Uh, with that said though, uh, you mentioned that, you know, what he could offer in the postseason. Would you trust putting him on the playoff roster right now? Do you think that you'll be able to gauge his actual value over these last X amount of games if he's only going to throw in two or three of these games? Do you, do you actually trust him going to the playoffs? Would you put him on your playoff roster? It's hard to tell. I mean, do I trust the guy? I don't know because, you know, I view, I view him as a starter. Um, yeah. You know, would, would he be a nice... Uh, rotation piece in the future definitely 100 percent. but you know um some starting pitchers have a tough time transitioning um from starter to reliever especially when you're coming off injury so um do i trust them that's that's a question mark but because i don't want to say no personally but um when i put him on my playoff roster he didn't make my playoff roster to be honest yeah. I know you told me to make one and, and he didn't yeah. make it. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 We're going to dive into our, our playoff uh, rosters that, you know, if we were uh, uncle buck or uh, uncle Stevie, we would, uh, you know, construct it our way. But, um, but yeah, before we, before we get into that, yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, McGill definitely a nice piece to have. And he's also great insurance, especially for the rotation to me yeah. personally, I think it's too close to the end of the season to kind of dabble and see if he can be a, a bullpen piece. Um, it just worries me. Point. It just worries me a little bit. Um, you know, he's still pumping 96, 97. He's already made it clear that he's not going to be throwing 99, hundred, like he was earlier on the season. He thinks that that contribute to his shoulder, uh, you know, injuries. Uh, but I don't know. I just think it's way too close to the end of the season to even consider McGill for the postseason roster, unfortunately. No, that's a great point. And I mean, again, you know, if, if we were talking, if we were in July or August and yeah. you know, then we, then we, then we probably have different answers, but you know, we got what 13 games left um, or 12 games left or whatever. And, you know, we have a day off today. I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, they, hopefully they landed safely in Oakland and, you know, I'm sure he's working with Jeremy Hefner, but I agree. I mean, that's again, I said it again, but that's a great point. Yeah. I, I really didn't think of it like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I of course would want to see Tyler on the team. I, I think he's a great component to the team. He's a great teammate. Everyone loves him. Um, but I definitely think that it's way too close to the end of the season. Um, but, you know, as you mentioned in the, in the outset of the, uh, of the episode, the Mets did go on a six game winning streak. It wasn't just, you know, the first two wins in Milwaukee. Um, 
I do want to touch upon the second game of Milwaukee before we go to the four game sweep that they, that they took care of uh, against Pittsburgh. But uh, how about the comeback on Tuesday night, man, the, the, the Mets are down four, nothing uh, going to the top of the sixth inning. And then mm-hmm. uh, Pete Alonso hits a three run bomb, his second straight night with a three run home run. The dude's yeah. got 121 RBIs, you know, as of today. Um, breaking his person, breaking his personal record now only three away, um, from the franchise record. Um, but then Francisco Lindor followed up with a grand slam in the top of the seventh inning. These two are fucking lethal right now in the middle of the batting order. And I wouldn't want any other three, four or any other key hitters in the middle of my lineup than, than, than Frankie and uh, Pete right now. No, definitely. And, and, you know, it's, it's great to see because we talked about it on our last podcast that, how much we miss Starling Marte and it looks like it doesn't even matter. Um, you know, obviously you would want a healthy Marte in your lineup uh, go, hitting in front of a, guys like Lindor and Alonzo, but you know, they, they really don't care. I mean, they, they carry in the team. Uh, Lindor is about to hit a hundred RBIs. He's got, he's got almost 25 home runs. I think he's 24 or 25. He's, home he's, runs. he's got 25 home runs, 99, 25 home runs. It's like, I think he surpasses RBI yeah. career high Yep, already. And, you know, this is this is a guy, Lindor, who, you know, got a lot of hate his first year, um, even this year. You know, he, why is he batting third? He should be batting second. I mean, nah, he's, he's proven people wrong. And, and I went on a rant on Facebook <laughs> when, when that happened, when he hit the Grand Slam. And, on Facebook? And, uh, no, I did. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I, wanted, I, wanted my, I wanted everyone from Oyster Bay to know because I just remember, you know, hearing overpaid. He's a fraud, this and that. And, yeah. You know, now he's now he's. Now he's the shortstop records. Yeah. Yeah. Now he's, uh, now he's the goat and the savior carrying the Mets to the promised land. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, listen for people who, for people who want to definitely, definitely. I mean, the Lindorks have, the Lindorks have gone into their caves. They're gone. Uh, My dad was one of them. He has shut up. Um, But (laughs) Francisco Lindor has the fifth highest war among uh, hitters in baseball. The only four hitters that have a greater, uh, war than he does currently. Aaron Judge, Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, and Freddie Freeman. That's pretty good company, and it just shows yeah. how good he's actually been this year. Uh, no, definitely. And, six- and mind you, real quick, Ian, that you know, I'm assuming that's the highest among shortstops. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it appears yeah. that way. Trey, Trey Turner second, five point eight WAR is Trey Turner, and uh, Lindor has posted six point seven WAR. And so, mind you, Trey Turner's going to be a free agent next year. Guys like Correa, guys like Dansby Swanson, who's who's over there in Atlanta. And, you know, I, I send my friend from college a, a picture of, like, Dansby and Lindor's, uh, like, war comparison. And yeah, and he started, he was laughing because he was one of the ones I was saying Dansby's better. But Yeah, yeah. Li- yeah listen, I think it's going to be a nice hardware offseason for, for Francisco. Hopefully he gets that, that World Series trophy, right? And he gets that yeah. accolade to say that he's a champion. But I definitely think that that Francisco is going to win the shortstop silver slugger. Uh, he'll definitely make one of the uh, all MLB teams and he will also get some MVP votes and he will also be right there with Mr. Dancy Swanson. As you just mentioned, um, it should be either him or, or Swanson winning the national league gold glove. So just all in all, all in all, just a phenomenal second year from Francisco Lindor. It must've been such a, it must be such a good feeling for him, especially after the struggles last year, but you know, I, th- I think it I think it was a, a wake up call for him. And, uh, you know, especially with the guys that the Mets have added right to mm-hmm. the team this year, he knows yeah. it's not all on him. So he's just able to go out there and and fucking play his game. And uh, he's doing it splendidly. 
Um, you know, it wasn't just only, uh, as I mentioned, it wasn't just only, um, uh, Max Scherzer who was phenomenal, but, um, you know, the Mets have been just getting really, really good starting pitching, uh, each and every day. Right. Um, Chris Bassett phenomenal against Pittsburgh. Um, what are you seeing from Chris Bassett right now? How much confidence do you have him going into the playoffs? Hopefully as your third starter, um, I think he's going to get some Cy Young votes too, way back down there. Right. But, mm-hmm. um, what have you seen from Chris Bassett? He looked tremendous against the pirates. Um, and, uh, he's just such a great part of this team. What have you seen? No, definitely. I mean, I've seen a guy who doesn't walk anybody. I mean, <laughs> dude, uh, his last three starts, he's, he's had five walks and you know, that's, that's coming from a guy who had a stretch in the second half where he was like going six, seven plus innings, you know? Yeah. Um, yep. And I, I mean, he's ready. He's a gamer. Um, again, he doesn't walk anybody. And I've also seen this, that it's a, it's a certain trend. He has that bad start and then he bounces back every time. And, and has like five you know good I mean? ones. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, I see consistency. I've seen, uh, you know, a lot of innings out of him. And I mean, man, when they traded for him and to look back at that trade, we, we, we didn't give up much and, and no. it was well worth it. Yeah, we yeah we won that by landslide. Yeah, on on uh, on Saturday. Thirty starts, man. Like I'll take yeah. that any day of the week. Hundred percent. He leads the club in innings pitched. Um, he uh he went out and uh, collected his fourteenth win, uh, which continues on his uh, career best. Picked up win number fourteen against the Pirates on Saturday. Um, went six shutout innings, struck out eight. Was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, the day before, Taiwan Walker struck out ten in his start against the Pirates. Um. I, I'm just seeing it from all over the place. They're, they're just, they're hitting their spots. They're pitching with, with, with confidence. Mm-hmm. They're going out there each and every day and, and, you know, putting up tremendous, tremendous figures. Um, and, and it's really been fun to watch even a guy like Carlos Carrasco. He's had a couple up and down, um, you know, stretches in, in, in uh, you know, his time this thus far this season, but um even Carrasco, you know, he was picked up greatly on Tuesday night. He was a starting pitcher when the Mets, um, you know, won seven to five against yeah. the, uh, against the Brewers. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, to move away from that series, as I mentioned, the Mets did uh, sweep the Pirates four games at City Field after taking, well, after getting swept by the Cubs, um, which was our last episode when we were uh, mm-hmm. pretty, uh, pretty pissed. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, they came back. Uh, swimmingly. And I think that that's one of the crazy things. The Mets haven't had a losing streak over three games this year. When you put that yeah. in, when you put that into perspective, that bodes so well for you going into the playoffs. Oh no, definitely. I mean, you know, we, uh, it's basically like, you know, we never really like hit that slump in a way. And like that slump was like offensively that we talked about. Knock on wood. But, but we still, we still, we still found a, we still kind of found a way to win games and you know, uh, Keith, Keith McPherson, the make it happen Mets, he calls us. So yeah, I yeah. always say that literally. And you know, it's funny you say that boss <clears throat> about the, about the three game losing streaks that I told that to one of my students the other day, because <laughs> he's a Yankee fan and he was, he was like going back and forth with a Mets fan in that class. And, and I was like, you know, it was like a, it was like a, an older brother trying to save his little brother from getting jumped or something, <laughs> but, but it was funny. I said the exact same stat. So Rob's just not a coach. He also uh, young uh, molds young minds during the day. Uh, he's, a, he's, a TA. <laughs> he's a TA. So he molds their minds. Um, but yeah, no, listen, man, the consistency has just been tremendous and it hasn't only been from the team and the players, but um, you know, we were touching upon the, um, 
you know, we were touching upon the pitchers just now and we mentioned Pete Alonzo before, uh, and we mentioned how the Lindorks have gone into their case, but I just want to touch upon Francisco Lindor really quickly. Um, even though I did just, you know, uh, utter a few statistics out, um, just to give you a little bit more context over the, over his last 15 games, um, he's hitting 317 with a 368 on base percentage and is slugging 603. Uh, he's got four home runs and 13 RBIs. Uh, mm. He's struck out 14 times. He's been striking out all season, but he is absolutely a scorching hot as they come right now. And he is somebody along with Pete Alonso, as I mentioned, who's just going to, you know, drive this club uh, into the postseason and, um, you know, hopefully deep into the postseason in that. Uh, The other guy that has uh, quietly picked things back up since the last time we spoke is the Vogel God, Daniel Vogelbach. He has... (laughs) He has made his return. He has, uh, his slump has gone away. It appears that all he had to do was uh, face two of his former teams and the Pirates and the Brewers and all yeah. is good. Um, but uh, Daniel Vogelbach, who looked like he was disappearing, we were getting a little worried saying, oh, great, Vogelbach and uh, Ruff are turning into Smith and uh, Ruff, uh, Smith and um, uh, J.D. Davis. Davis, holy fuck. Um, <laughs> geez, Louise, it's been a long day. Uh, you know, we were scared that they were turning into that and, and Vogelbach over his last seven games, literally against the Pirates and against the Brewers, hitting 389 with an on-base percentage of 542. 542. That's Barry Bonds like. And Barry didn't even get up there. Maybe he did. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, he's also hit a home run. Um, Vogelbach just looks mm, so much better than he did. Uh, what are you seeing from Vogelbach? What adjustments do you think he made, if any? Um, or do you think he just needed to face his two old teams? <laughs> I mean, honestly, it might it might be that. But at the same time, if you really just look into his at-bats, he's, he's walked six times throughout those last seven games. Um, and, you know, he's just been going back to his old ways, working counts, not swinging at bad pitches, you know, waiting, waiting for his pitch, um, and just hitting righties. I think he solidified himself as the DH um against right-handed pitching and yep. again he him and pete alonzo are like are like stepbrothers they're like two peas in a pod uh you know i'm excited to see what he could do in in the playoff run and and again uh you know vogie <laughs> vogie yeah you know something that you just said that uh is extremely important to note he's gotten back to grinding uh you know his at-bats out working the pitcher drawing those big counts. And the thing is, is Pete Alonso even made a note of it uh, after the Mets picked up their second straight win in Milwaukee. Yeah. He said in the post game, listen, during the Cubs series and against some of those weaker teams earlier on in the month, the Mets kind of got away from their, you know, we're going to grind the pitcher until they're, until they're shot. You know, we're going to, yeah. you know, they, they were all season long. They're making the starters throw between 20 and 30 pitches in the first inning. And then in the beginning of this month, you know, pitchers were getting unscathed, you know, leaving the inning, um, you know, with only between like 10 and 15 pitches. But now it seems like they've gotten back. And I think Vogelbach is a part of a bigger, a bigger picture here that the Mets as a team have just changed their, their hitting philosophy. And they have, they have adjusted because they've realized that they kind of uh, got away from it a little bit. Um, Really, really great to see from Vogelbach. Uh, fucking hoping that like Darren Ruff can wake the fuck up and um, you know, be his, be his, be his counterpart or, or Mark Vientos, one of the two. Um, but um, it really, really good to see uh, Daniel Vogelbach hot as ever. Um, but yeah, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So um, as we mentioned, right. The Mets have clinched a postseason berth. Um, 
And there's a postseason roster that needs to be constructed. Obviously, the Mets have had a bevy of players contribute this year, and most of them are, if not they're healthy, they are returning soon. The likes of, uh, you know, the likes of Starling Marte. Nimmo has a little bit of a quad injury. He's he's going to be okay. So Marte is coming back. I like Tommy Hunter's on the DL. He'll be back. Um, Tyler McGill just came back from the injury list. Max Scherzer just came back from the injury list. So it makes a lot of parts, uh, you know, it, it makes, there's a lot of moving pieces, right? And there's a lot of different ways that Buck Showalter can construct this roster along with Billy Epler and uh, Steve Cohen. Um, we both here uh, on Couple Mets, we both put together a postseason <clears throat> roster um, uh-huh. that we feel like should be the roster. Um, I'm trying to figure out how the format that, that we should do it. I don't know if you want to dish out your your offensive players that that make the team, and then I'll dish mine out. We'll see. Uh, we'll compare I think and contrast. I, I, I personally like. Well, yeah, we can compare and contrast, obviously, but I think I think I like like the the obvious choices first, and then the sleepers, I guess, or not obvious choices. You know how like we read that article yesterday, and it said like locks and yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Try to, try to like try to like structure the roster. I, I like that. I mean, I'm pretty yeah. sure we probably agree on most of them. Yeah. Know? I wonder, I wonder how many differences we have here. Yeah. So um, if you want to, if you want to just read out, read out your, 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 your offensive locks. Okay. My offensive locks are Pete Alonzo, Francisco Lindor, Eduardo Escobar, Luis Guillorme, Jeff McNeil, Marcana, Starling Marte, Tyler Naquin, Brandon Nimmo, and Daniel Vogelbach, and then the two catchers, Tom, Tomas Nito and James McCann. Okay, I am on board with you on all of those as well. Nito McCann, Alonzo McNeil, Lindor, Escobar, Guillaume, Canna, Nimmo, Marte, Naquin, and Vogelbach. How many other hitters do you have? <laughs> oh, shit. Beyond that. Uh, one. Two, I have, okay, okay, I'll put it this way. I have 12 position players and 14 pitchers. Or no, excuse me, other way around. Okay. Other way uh, around. I have 14 position players and 12 pitchers. Well, now, now you're making me count. Shit. <laughs> well, it's 26, so that, that's how I kind of went by it. Yeah, all right. Well, listen, this is this is what I'm, I'm just going to tell you. I got two other offensive players making it. Mm-hmm. Um, so my other two guys, right-handed bat, it's between Vientos and Vogelbach. I want to go with Vientos. I do not like Darren Ruff. With that said, I mm-hmm. went with Darren Ruff. Okay. Uh, you made it okay. a point. You made it a point last show. The guy has longevity. He has had a career. He has had success. Okay. Um, and again, similar to the whole McGill type of ordeal, I think Vientos is going to be a fine big league player. But it's too late in the season to try and see how he can perform against those left-handed pitchers. To me, Vientos uh, just can't make the team right now. Who's your right-handed DH? Okay. I respect it. I respect it. You went with Darren Ruff. Um, if I was normal and a smart man, I probably would have done the same thing. Oh boy. But, but I did not go with Darren Ruff. Okay. And I did not go with Mark Vientos. I know who you I went with. My boy from AAA who's in I Syracuse knew- right now. I fucking knew it. Francisco Alvarez. <laughs> Okay. He's on a hot streak right now. I feel like if he comes up and becomes that just that right-handed DH and just worries about hitting lefties, he'll bring another spark like a Buster Posey type move in uh, 2010 for the Giants. 
who actually Buster Posey just got hired uh, for the front office, I believe, or some some job for the did Giants. He? Did he? Yeah, he did like ownership group or something like that. Now I don't wow. know about ownership group, but he definitely got hired. But yes, that is my right-handed DH, uh, Francisco Alvarez. Now let me ask you this, Ian. Yeah. Is Terrence Gore on your uh, playoff <laughs> roster? Somehow he is. Somehow me too. He is. Okay, yeah, bet. Yeah, speed yeah. kills, baby. Speed kills. And speed. what reminds me of that is Dave Roberts, 04, Boston Red Sox, Terrence Gore, 2021 for the Braves, 2020 for the Dodgers, 2022 for the Mets. Yeah, 100%. Listen, the guy the guy has had two at-bats this year, uh, but he has stolen three bases. He hasn't had a hit. We don't need him to fucking hit. Listen, if you got – if the Mets have one of their big guys on base leading run to be able to just toss Gore in there – to pinch run and uh, literally steal a bag and just get into runner runner to get into scoring position. I mean, it, it completely changes the dynamic of the offense and really uh, Gore can become an absolute, you know, tool for the Mets uh, in the postseason. Do you have Gore on, on your team as well? No. Yeah, definitely. Speed okay. kills. Oh, speed does kill. Speed does kill baby. All right. Who you have a four man rotation. <laughs> I do. All right, who's your four-man rotation? Give it to me. Obviously, the obvious threes. The obvious three is DeGrom, Scherzer, Bassett. I actually went with Cookie Carrasco. Okay. I did. Okay. I did. He has a little more experience in terms of starting playoff games. I know Tywan Walker, he went one, he went 0-1. He made a oh, excuse me. He made a playoff appearance start with the with the Diamondbacks, I want to say. And he went 0-1 with a 336 ERA. I think he got pulled early. Um, but I do have Tywan Walker in my bullpen. I think okay. I think he is that type of pitcher that could adjust to being like a long man out of the pen, like a Tolo in 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he deserves it. I think, you know, again, he's been a big part of the team the last two years. And, and you know, he did have his second half struggles, but he's came back and he's uh, done his thing. I mean, you know, he had that 10 strikeout performance, like you said in the beginning of the podcast. And I gave him the benefit of the doubt and I moved him to the bullpen. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I I agree on that. I also went with Carlos Carrasco, uh, based on stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, a because you know you know Taiwan Walker is one of those pitchers that when he doesn't have it, he doesn't have it at all. Yeah. And, oh, and, yeah. and and they and you know you can recognize it and pull him after an inning or two. Carlos Carrasco is somebody that can navigate. He's got enough pitches that he can navigate a lineup whether he's pitching well or not. He can give you four or five innings um, mm-hmm. in the playoffs. It's obviously constructed differently. But I have Carrasco in the in the in the rotation as well. The guy has 14 career postseason innings. Um, he's got a 386 uh, earn run average across those 14 innings. So uh, he's my guy um, in the rotation as well. I also, like you mentioned, Taiwan Walker uh, making the bullpen. I also have Taiwan Walker making the bullpen. I've seen multiple roster projections for the postseason, leaving Taiwan Walker out and, uh, you know, putting other guys in over him. Don't agree with it. I'm in your boat. I have Taiwan Walker making the bullpen as well. Um, what does your bullpen look like in general? Okay. So I have Edwin Diaz. Who? Edwin Diaz. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Givens. Mm-hmm. Seth Lugo. Trevor May. Um, Adam Adovino. And then I gave Trevor Williams the nod, and I also gave Joely Rodriguez the nod. And Taiwan. So we have the same bullpen. Wow, that's crazy. We've got the same bullpen. So the, <laughs> so, so the only difference in our postseason rosters that we had was that was you DH. are going with Francisco Alvarez yeah. over Darren Ruff or Mark Bantus. And I respect that. I respect that. Alvarez is killing it right now, so it makes complete sense. 
I mean, I'm just going off of, you know, not, not, I, I don't know. I kind of acted like a coach in this, in this sense. I mean, Trevor Williams out the bullpen, he's, he's had a 1.71 ERA. Yeah. I think he's, I think he's deserving of it. I also yep. think he can honestly like be that guy who gets that big out in the seventh or sixth when, when a Lugo's not available or like a, or like a Adam Adovino's not available. Yep. Uh, I mean, I've said it all year. I think, I think he's deserving of it. I think he's been great in his role this year and, and you know it's it kind of sucks that like him and Walker are kind of like penciled out of the playoff roster, but um, you know again we'll see we'll see what happens. But that's kind of crazy that we had the same bullpen. Yeah, yeah, no, no, the bullpen could have gone in in different ways. So I mean, for me in particular, I did a little just missed list here. Your hours are extremely similar, aside mm -hmm. from that right-handed bat. Uh, for me, that just missed it was Tyler McGill. It was Drew Smith. David Peterson, Tommy Hunter, uh, yeah. Joe, uh, Joey Lucchese, um, Lucchese, excuse me, um, Francisco Alvarez, and Mark Vientos. Those are the guys that missed, but note, I did Mark Alvarez because I was considering him. So you're not the only smart guy on here, okay? Um, <laughs> no, nah, so listen, I mean, again, I, I would go a second lefty if we had a guy like Andrew Chafin, just, just for, you know, an example. It didn't have to be Chafin, whatever, but like an established lefty, you know what I mean? But you know, Peterson, he just hasn't really been good out the bullpen. So yeah. like, I just can't trust him. Same thing. Like, like kind of like the same boat with like, I'll put him in the same category as McGill in a way. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I, I agree there. I also listen. If we did, as you mentioned, if we did have an Andrew Chafin, okay. Right. But when you're looking at the Mets current bullpen, if Joely Rodriguez can be that guy against left-handed batters, you have guys like Seth Lugo uh, and uh, and Adam Ottavino who cause trouble to to left-handed hitters, right? So you have guys that can you know be multifaceted and pitch to both right-handed and left-handed hitters. So it's not as important to include a David Peterson or an. And I even saw a projection the other day with Alex Claudio on the fucking roster. Um, you just can't do that right now. You got to go with the guys that can get people out. Just remember up until the big leagues or, wow, that's crazy. In, or even into the minors, remember all pitchers no. through to lefties and righties and vice versa. So they can get lefties out. It's just a matter of, you know, particular matchups. Um, but yeah, you know, listen, I, I, I think that I, I don't think a, a second left-hander is, is that important. No, no. Yeah. But um, you know, moving ahead here, we got a, we got a few minutes left here, uh, moving ahead. The Mets are, um, opening up a series in Oakland tomorrow night. Chris Bassett will return to his old stomping grounds at that beautiful ballpark, um, in Oakland. What a shithole. Um, Chris Bassett <laughs> will start, uh, against Cole Irvin. Uh, Irvin will be the, uh, most likely the best pitcher the Mets see. They do see JP Sears on Sunday. Um, but the Mets are rolling out their big three Bassett tomorrow night against Cole Irvin. Uh, Jacob deGrom goes on Saturday at four uh, Oh seven uh, Eastern time. He'll be faced by uh, Ken Waldachuk and uh, Sunday <laughs> Sun Waldachuk Sunday uh, Mad Max will uh, take the hill. He'll be opposed by JP Sears, um, former Yankee farmhand. Uh, what are you looking for in this series? Obviously, every game is a must win. The Braves are playing tonight. They open up a four-game stretch with the Phillies. Um, what are you looking for over the next three games as we, you know, face the bottom dweller in the uh, athletics? Uh, well, you know, just playing our brand of baseball, um, you know, taking care of business, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> just playing them like we played the Pirates, you know, 
striking early, making the starting pitcher work, and hopefully our friends over there in uh, Philadelphia can help us out. Yeah, it's crazy that we're saying fans, right? It's funny. I, I've like tweeted a few times. I've I've tweeted like you know hashtag finish the fight, and I did hashtag curly <laughs> curly W the other night. Like I'm rooting for all these assholes just to beat the Braves. Uh, it's it's crazy. Yeah, I want to sweep. I want a clean sweep. I want to leave Oakland with 98 wins on the season. Okay, um, that would surpass the amount of wins we've ever personally seen in a season. Yeah. Um, and at least two of three, that's a must, right? But they have to at least take two of three. A sweep would be beautiful. Um, the Mets then return home to face Miami. Um, they have not released the probables in that series, but it'll most likely be Taiwan Walker and Carlos Carrasco. That's a two-game set next week. And then the bridge from September to October, we go to Atlanta for that big three-game stretch. Are you more nervous or excited for that? Excited. I'm ready excited. to go. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to celebrate on their field, to be honest. Ooh, ooh, yeah, that yeah. would that would be fucking incredible. Yeah, see all, it. see all those, <laughs> see all those uh, tomahawk choppers just all disheveled and shit, knowing that they have to play in the wild card round. Mm-hmm. That would, uh, that would truly be something. Yeah, no, you're on to that. Um, as you mentioned before, the Braves uh, opening up a four game set with the Phillies. Uh, we're hoping, you know, let's go Philly. Uh, you won't catch me <laughs> saying that often, but let's fucking go Phillies. Um, currently they're in the bottom of the second inning. It is zero, zero, no score. It is Ranger Suarez, Ranger Suarez, Ranger Suarez. That's a tough for my mouth to say. Um, he'll, and he's on the mound for the Phillies and, uh, Max Freed, uh, is going for Atlanta. He's looking for his 14th win on the season. Um, Rob, any any last thoughts here as, as we're wrapping up episode nine? Um, obviously, we're in a crucial part of the season. Any last thoughts? I mean, obviously, you're going to say, let's fucking go Mats in the whole nine. But <laughs> but uh, what is it that you're looking for over these next couple of games? And uh, how do you think the Mets can best position themselves to ride into October on a, on a good note? I think I mean, again, I think the Mets just need to build their lead their division lead this their this their opportunity to do it with the Braves playing the Phillies and and you know with with us playing the the Oakland Athletics but uh definitely build a little bit of that lead going into Atlanta and just take care of business there yeah and by the way Soroka is out for the rest of the year and Spencer Strider and Spencer Strider is dealing with an oblique injury he may not be ready for the postseason as well so fingers crossed there we don't want to see anyone get hurt but fingers crossed that's all we got here uh, for uh, Cup of Mets. Episode nine is officially in the books uh, for yes, Ian Bosniak. He's Rob Benegas. He's yes, Rob Benegas. Yeah, he's taking, <laughs> he's, he's taking charge tonight, man. We're, bo- <laughs> we're both fired up. Let's fucking go Mets. Put the nail in the coffin. Let's go Phillies. Let's take this division. And hopefully by the next time we speak, we either have won the division or we got a nice lead and we're set to go to Atlanta to uh, win a big series. Rob, any last thoughts? Shout out Steve Gelbs. Shout out Steve Gelbs, who shouted us out as well. For that, episode nine in the books, as I said three times already. Good night, everybody. Good night.